the big names you know, the other guys you've never heard of, until now. This is Around the Nest, Jay talking around the Blue Jays minor league system. It is the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. episode of Around the Nest. And yes, we'll be talking about other things, other players, other games, but this is a big day, and so this show is Vladdy's show. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. Let me immediately bring in Jim Tarabokio with the Nadine Blue Jays. With Vladimir Guerrero Jr. getting called up to the major leagues by the Toronto Blue Jays today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell some, Bla- uh, some uh, Vladdy stories. So, Jim, you are leading us off. Any Vladdy story that first comes to your mind? Uh, well, it would have to be the uh, the home run that was hit back in late August in 2017 in Clearwater that um, left the bat, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it left the bat at 112 miles per hour in Clearwater, and it just landed in the first row of the, the picnic area out there beyond wall and left. Um, it was a slider that was kind of hung up there, and uh, he absolutely just roped it. Um, and it was uh, just it was a spectacular home run. The Blue Jays that night went on to eventually win the game, and uh, they went on to also um, clinch a wild card berth uh, that same night. So that that's probably the uh, most memorable. I, I remember back to school night in, in that same month, late August, where he uh, where he hit a home run as well. He hit a home run in St. Lucie, um, the uh, uh, same series where we saw Tim Tebow play. But uh, that that home run really comes to mind because that really. Um, kick-started us into the playoffs, and uh, uh, it was one of the hardest balls uh, that I've certainly ever seen hit in person. In 2017, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. begins the season with the Lansing Lugnuts. How closely are you saying, all right, when are you going to send them to us? Um, you know, I, I, to be honest, I, I really wasn't. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one to... Uh, sort of played conservative a little bit with with the certain prospects, especially guys that are um, that are his age. Um, so I, I really I, I thought it would be great if he if he did come up, um, but I certainly um, wasn't uh, expecting it um, as as early as as he did. Now when he did come up, that certainly um, that certainly was awesome uh, and memorable. But uh, I wasn't I wasn't clamoring and saying you know God, we gotta get him up here. Uh, it was more so. Uh, just kind of look at it and, and kind of, uh, you know, uh, pardon the pun, uh, trust the process. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, he arrives. What was the first thing you said to him when he first got there to the DJs? Um, you know, honestly, I can't remember. I remember he kind of spoke some, some broken English, so I went to my phone at the time. I didn't know as much as good Spanish as I do now. I went to my phone and, and typed in English to Spanish and kind of typed in a couple of sentences that I could speak with him in Spanish. And, um, you know, he, he kind of, uh, uh, you know, at first kind of looked at me, uh, you know, kind of with that with that stare, like, uh, like what, what are you doing, you know? And then finally... Um, you know, I, I kept speaking a little bit more Spanish, and uh, he finally um, uh, gave me a little smile and, uh, you know, said hello. And, and what I was about to do was just kind of a hello, and uh, this is me, this is who I am. And, uh, um, you know, that's how we kind of got off uh, got off there. We got off on a pretty good foot, um, you know, uh, with my uh, attempt at speaking some, some 
uh, broken broken Spanish. Now, when I saw him this year, I did speak a little bit more Spanish, and uh, uh, he kind of understood me a little bit better. He didn't really look at me like uh, like I was crazy. So, <laughs> um, it was uh, yeah, it was it was a good good interaction. All right. So we've got Vladdy Jr. debuting for the Toronto Blue Jays. We're still going to talk about other things. For example. How about a Dunedin Blue Jays 18 to nothing win yesterday where we can focus on the run scored or we can focus on Nate Pearson striking out 10 in five innings. You want to begin with the pitching or begin with the batting? Uh, we can, I mean, either one. I think, you know, when you, when you look at, um, at Nate, I mean, it's kind of come, we've come to expect this now uh, from him, you know, and that's, um, I don't know if that's putting pressure on him or not, Um you know, I don't think it is. Um, but uh, with Nate, uh, the last time he was out there before last night uh, against Lakeland, he hit 101 miles per hour. And if you ever watch him slowly on on film, um, the way that uh, every part of his body moves um, in conjunction with his with his windup and and how he drives that energy up the the kinetic chain, um, uh, it's no surprise to me as as and just his pure strength. I mean, the kid's built like an ox for God's sakes. Um, uh, it's no surprise to me that he throws, you know, 101. I think he actually, excuse me, at 102 miles per hour against Lakeland. I think he hit 102 last night. Um, so, you know, I, I can't really remember. But for me, looking at him, I'm not surprised with with what's uh, what's going on here um, uh, with him. And I'm glad I'm glad mentally that um, you know he's kind of over that injury of a, that comebacker you know, coming right back at him as well. So, uh, you know, you, you, spoke, you spoke earlier about Vladdy Jr. Um, uh, getting the chance uh, to get called up to us from, from you guys in Lansing a couple of years ago, and we were wondering, um, you know, how much longer will he will he take, will he be, you know, in Lansing? Um, you start to wonder that a little bit. And again, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, trust what's going on here and what everybody's, uh, you know, trust the whole process of, of all this. Uh, that's the kind of guy I am, but... Um, you really start to wonder with Nate um, at this point uh, how much longer um, until it's, it's time for Double A, um, because he, he's for the most part blowing guys away. Now, with that said, too, I think keep in mind that uh, he's only had um, I think it's what 15 career starts in, in professional baseball, so I still think uh, there's a little bit of time there uh, that he has to. There's some mileage that he has to you know, tick up a little bit to get that opportunity to go to Double A. From a prospect that everybody's watching to another guy who maybe folks stopped watching, especially when Logan Warmoth got off to a slow start. He was hitting, what, three for 23 to open up the year, and then you went on the road. And the last four games all away from the home field this year, uh, well, all he's done is first reach base twice, go two for five, then a base hit and two walks, yeah. then three hits, including a home run, then three hits and two walks yesterday, reaching base five times, and suddenly Logan Warmoth is becoming very intriguing again. What's going on? Well, I think um, I'm not surprised because uh, you watch him in the cage and you watch him during batting practice, and everything is being hit hard, very hard. It's, I call it very hard, loud contact, everything. And uh, even even in games now, the ground balls that he's hitting. Um, last year, at some points, he was he consistently hitting it hollow, um, and he was still adjusting to the pitching. Well, this year, I, I haven't heard many many balls being hit hollow, whether it be in, in batting practice or um, in the game. And he's using his legs uh, a lot more um, 
and, and not just that he's getting into his legs, um, you know, so uh, a lot of it is also staying connected and, and um, stay, staying tight in his turn, um, you know, and getting the barrel to the baseball. So um, it, it's really great to see, I mean, with Logan um, producing like this. And I, I think where he is now, um, uh, he's a, he's in, in a really good place. Um, and where he is at the plate, uh, and, and mentally where he is as a player right now, it, it's it's really good to see. Um, I, I think he's comfortable where he is in his role currently, and uh, he could be a surprise guy, I think, that, that could get that call up uh, sooner rather than later here now with, with Bo going down. Um, you know, we could see Logan um, theoretically getting called up to the next level um, pretty soon here uh, if things continue this way. You know, he's hitting the ball hard. Even his outs are hard as well. Um, and that's something I always say, and I, I, I think I told him this, and I tell a lot of our guys this, you know, and uh, I say, you know, uh, you can always, with today's metrics and today's game, the way it is, you can always find something positive in that previous night's game. And I, I really believe that. And I think with Logan, anytime, if, even if he goes 0 for 4, uh, 3 for 4, whatever it was, I think last night uh, he went 3 for 5, you can still find something, something very positive um, in how you played that night before. Um, and I think with Logan, what he can consistently take away from every night's performance is uh, the fact that he's hitting the baseball very, very hard. Uh, and, and that to me um, shows more so his development than any other. Let's end with this question from Bluebird Banter. Have you noticed any players who are better than their early numbers suggest? Um well, I, I think Logan certainly would be uh, a candidate for that. Um, I, I have to have to go with probably Cal Stevenson. Um, I think Samad Taylor is another guy um, who certainly uh, he's got a big swing. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, he doesn't get cheated up there. That's what I mean by that. Uh, Christian Williams, another guy who you know pretty well, um, spent a lot of time who you know, on the injured list last year. But those are really the three guys I think I look at, you know, uh, who, who um, Graham Spraker, another guy, um, Nick Algeyer, not not really talked about much coming into the year. But, I mean, these are guys coming in uh, uh, to the year who didn't have much buzz around them, but now here they are performing very well. I do weekly notes, media notes down here that I send out. Um, to uh, um, <clears throat> our media list and uh, Nick Algeyer, all those guys actually just mentioned, except for maybe one or two of them were featured as the standout players of the week. Um, and then the numbers might not have been there. So that kind of tells you something right there um, that, yeah, the numbers aren't there, some of these guys, um, but it only takes that one game and uh, they're doing other things as well. Um, whether it be base running, fielding, um, small things fundamentally, uh, running the bases correctly, that make them stand out. That I think if you go beyond the box score and actually watch them in person three or four games play, um, you'll be pretty impressed. At Jim Tara on Twitter, the Dunedin Blue Jays end the month of April, first on the road this weekend against Jupiter, and then they start things up against the Daytunas Tortugas back at home next week. Jim, thank you very much for the word from Dunedin. All right, Jesse, have a good one, buddy. Thank you. All right. From A Advanced, let's go up the ladder to AA. Jim just told us, hey, maybe Logan Warmoth might be in line to get the call at some point to New Hampshire. Maybe Nate Pearson might get the call at some point to New Hampshire. Certainly deserves it. It's Alan Murray. We're not going to talk about those guys to start. We're going to bring you back. Oh, the year was 2018. 
Tell me about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and any stories that jump out to you. Well, Jesse, great to talk with you. And, you know, what jumps out about Vlad Jr. for us guys, you know, just dealing with him in the clubhouse and asking him every single day to talk to another national media outlet, uh, what always stood out to me was just how willing he was to do that and how ready he was for that big spotlight. I think uh, Dan Shulman tweeted it today during Vlad's introductory press conference. You know, maybe he's knocked that home run off the hotel, uh, and it was the second home run of the game. And I, I think we wound up just saying, what can't this guy do? Because every time up, everything in the stadium stopped to watch what he was doing. So it was uh, an honor to have him in town. And I, I don't think we've ever been more excited for a former Fisher Cat to make their big league debut. We've got viewing parties scheduled here in New Hampshire, Jesse, so it's uh, really exciting. Free Vladdy, right? Okay, let's go back to the home run off the hotel. How great was that? You know, it uh, it was one of those moments where he was so locked in that day. If he was ever getting out at all during that whole weekend, really, it was line drives or deep fly balls that maybe he just missed. Uh, so it was weirdly not surprising <laughs> that he was able to do something that we hadn't seen anyone for the Fisher Cats do since, I believe, Moises Sierra in like 2015, uh, one off the hotel deep in left center field. So it, it, was, it was a special moment and it, it continues to amaze what he's been able to do because we've got so much good talent here in double-A this year, but uh, no one, at least not yet, has come close to that kind of that kind of home run. Well, so much fun. Vladdy's getting the call up to the major leagues. We're all keeping our eye on it. Do you feel at all, the first metaphor that comes to mind for me is the person who says, boy, I saw this band when they were playing the clubs with 16 people and now everybody is on board. Are you cool before it was cool? Jesse, I don't think I've ever been cool um, to start with, so the answer <laughs> is no. However, um, it was so interesting when that year started that, yeah, I think in the long run, everybody kind of had Vlad as the guy, the top guy. But, I mean, you saw it yourself, right? Bo Bichette and Vlad Jr., they almost seemed like 1A, 1B, and maybe they still are now to a lot of people. But once Vladdy hit that home run up in Montreal, for me, that kind of took him to another level. And from there, he just, in, in my estimation, he had uh, you know the imagination of people in New Hampshire and the Toronto fan base. He was the guy. And as well as Bo Bichette played, that was kind of when he got that separation at first. And, I mean, if you look at the numbers last year, or two years ago, 2017, when you had him, Bo Bichette arguably had a, a better statistical year than Vlad did. So I guess when they both got into town, I was thinking, well, let's see who can get the upper hand. But uh, they both had great years, and uh, uh, obviously Vlad really uh, blew everybody away with that 402 batting average. I have one more question from Bluebird Banter for you on Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and that is, what are you most looking forward to about him coming up to the major leagues? I am most looking forward to his first great defensive play at third base. I, I want to see him get a swinging bunt, come down the line. He's going to barehand it, throw it perfect across the diamond. And then some folks who thought, oh, what about his defense? They'll see that he is more than capable at playing strong third base. So John Schneider, his manager last year, said multiple times to the media that Vladdy could play third base right now in the big leagues. And that was, I think, a month or two into his double-A career. So, I'm looking forward to seeing him at third base. And then everyone talks about how it sounds different off his bat. 
I'm not smart enough or observant enough to, to t- talk about decibels <laughs> or those different sounds, Jesse, to be honest. So I never necessarily subscribe to that, but uh, I can't wait to, to see him on the big league stage, which is something uh, I think we all know he belongs in. <laughs> right? With the Major League Baseballs that have been going out. Watch out That's now. Right. Talk about your Fisher Cats. Let's say we had a segment called Cool Things from This Week. What is one cool thing from this past week in AA New Hampshire? The resurgence of Chad Spanberger and Brock Lundquist, two power bats who really had good home run numbers in single A, but they were struggling a bit to start their first couple of weeks here in double A, and you wondered if they'd snap out of it, but guys always seem to. I mean, these are professional hitters. They found a way, so... The Chad Spanberger just continues roping doubles, and he's, he's a big guy. He's got a big power hitter's build, and he got his first home run at home just a couple of days ago, so he's got two for the year. And he's one of those guys, Chad Spanberger, in the middle of the lineup where um, the Fisher Cats at times, if they got someone like that producing, it's a really, really dangerous lineup. And he was a big factor in the three-game sweep over the Yankees affiliate here in which the Fisher Cats scored seven runs a game in that three-game sweep. Now, the offense went a bit quiet yesterday at Reading because of, uh, we, we figure anyway, a, a very late-night bus trip. But, I mean, it's great to see Spanberger turning it around. And uh, Brock Lundquist, who had, I think, 18 home runs last year, he's getting there too. He had a game-winning home run in game two of the doubleheader against Trenton last week. So um, it's exciting to see who's kind of establishing themselves as the power hitters in this lineup. And maybe it's those two guys, Lundquist and Spanberger. This is part of the Bluebird Banter question of the week, and I'm going to turn it around and ask about the pitchers in terms of who's a player who is either playing better or you expect to be playing better than his numbers suggest in the early going. I think we talked a lot last week about that great one-two punch that you had in Lansing, Jesse, with Zach Logue and Jensi Diaz. Um, But Patrick Murphy has a 6-1-1 ERA right now. He's 0-3. It doesn't look great, but... When you watch him pitch, the stuff is just so good. I mean, he's throwing 96 on the black, that curveball that's been such a big part of his career, that always looks terrific. And then, of course, he's got that changeup that continues to improve. I I just think Patrick Murphy has looked so much better than the numbers would suggest. One of his starts, he got to the first part of the order with just perfect pitching. And then, like a lot of guys in double-A, it's a little bit tougher your second time through and certainly in the the third uh, pass to the lineup. So, I think a lot of the damage done against Murphy has come later in games, and I, I really wouldn't uh, worry too much. Not that fans are, but I think he's pitched a lot better than the, the numbers would show. The New Hampshire Fisher Cats are finishing up April on the road, and they'll be at Trenton next week. But when they return home, May the 2nd through May the 5th, they'll be home a weekend away from this one against the Hartford Yard Goats which I believe you declared, actually it was Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, your current guys who are actually the Yard Goats. Find Tyler Murray on Twitter at LT underscore underscore Murray. He's the lieutenant, the voice of the people. Tyler, thank you very much. Jesse, happy Vladdy Day. Thanks for doing it. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Happy Vladdy Day now to Pat Malacaro with the Buffalo Bisons. Pat, we're discussing our favorite Vladdy stories and memories. So where would you like to begin? Well, I'll I'll begin with about almost a year ago when he first joined the Bisons at the end of July, and we all knew it was coming and had it not been for an injury earlier in the year. Maybe it would have been sooner uh, that he made his AAA debut. And 
seeing the highlights, talking to folks like yourself and Tyler, um, and just getting a feel for how Vladdy is as a player and as a person on and off the field. Um, I, the expectations in the bar was very high, and not only did Vladdy meet those expectations, but he blew them out of the water. And uh, just from that first moment, you could see that he is a special player and a different player. And, you know, even coming back this season, and we all knew that um, it was just going to be a matter of when, not if, that he was going to the big leagues, and that didn't phase him. So I just take a look back to the end of July last year and how he was far and away um, exceeded expectations uh, is something I won't forget. Did you notice any differences between him, Vladdy 2019 and Vladdy 2018? was even more so, I think, and that's a good thing. It, he showed what he could do at the plate and a little bit in the field last year, and it was a little bit of, all right, let, let's go. I'm going to get through my games here, and I'm going to play well, and I'm going to show everybody that last year was not a fluke, that, sure, I didn't hit 400, but I hit pretty darn close to it in AAA, and uh, I'm going to have some more fun this year with AAA pitching. So uh, I think that's the, the only change I saw was – second time around that he he knew what he could do at this level. It wasn't just a, what can I do? It's here. Let's, let's see it again. Beautiful. Well, Pat currently, so you've lost Vladdy. He gets called up and deservedly. So, and then you lose Bo. Bo Bichette goes on the injured list. Uh, pitch comes in, strikes him in the hand. Uh, what did you observe? What happened? Yeah, it was just an unfortunate situation where Bo was at the plate uh, a fastball ran up and in, and it hit him in the left hand. And, you know, I had a chance to talk with him a little bit today for our pregame show, and it's expected to be closer to a six-week injury. Um, he broke the, the bone that basically connects the, the hand of the index finger. So uh, after the game that night, uh, the hand looked pretty pretty big, pretty bad, and uh, pretty much not the worst-case scenario, but uh, pretty close to it was um, confirmed pretty quickly. So, Unfortunately for Bo, he was playing very well at the time, and um, it's an unfortunate injury, but it's something that at the end of the day, look, he's going to have a long career, and this will be just a blip on the radar for him. Uh, I expect him to come back from it and play very well, because the one thing I'll say is his numbers over the first week or so were not very good, and he admitted that, but the hustle was there, the, the intensity and the ability to not let the first week or so get to him. Uh, was really impressive, and for somebody at his age, uh, at just now, what, 21 years old, still very young, to me that spoke volumes, and uh, when he comes back, I expect the same Bo Bichette uh, that we saw right before the injury. Hey, his appendix burst, and his body somehow absorbed it. I think a broken hand, he's going to come back, no worries. But your current Buffalo Bisons, without Vladdy, without Bo, what is the state of the herd going into next week? Yeah, it's, it's a little tough. And let's be perfectly honest, it has not been the easiest road for the team this season. And the fact that here in AAA you're facing teams that have former big leaguers or guys that have big league time. I look at this Lehigh Valley lineup today, and they've got guys like Shane Robinson that have been in the big leagues, Andrew Romine, who's uh, a player that's been up and down a little bit. So it's been tough. Um, so we'll, we'll see the toughness in the, in the medal of this team over the next uh, week or so, but I think uh, that will show it. And guys that are AAA rookies for the first time, they're getting to see what it's like here at this level and get to learn from it and grow from these experiences. So 
Um, it's, it has not been easy for this team sitting at 5-12 and 12 to start the year, but I don't see guys right now really sulking. It's, it's all right, we're, we're taking our lumps, but we're going to learn from them. Question from Bluebird Banter. Who, hitter or pitcher, do you think is playing better or will be playing better than his numbers currently suggest? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I look at a guy like Reese McGuire. He, he hit uh, two balls, really three or four very well the other day in Syracuse. He went two for five at the plate. Uh, and I expect him to uh, continue to show that uh, he is one of those guys that will be in the big leagues very soon as well. So uh, his batting average is better than last year at this time and expected to increase uh, continuing, and I expect him also to, uh, behind the plate, things that you don't see in the box score, uh, continue to uh, impress not only the Bisons as teammates, but uh, the front office. Pat Malacaro with the Buffalo Bisons, AAA affiliate for the Toronto Blue Jays. A question also written in on Bluebird Banter for you, Pat, about Kevin Biggio. Part one, is he hitting as well as his line suggests? And part two is, how is, was his play in the outfield? Yes, there's no no question at 418 batting average is for real. Uh, he's hitting the ball, seeing the ball very well, and he is showing that he is mature for even for his age at 24, being a AAA rookie. Uh, he is definitely uh, advanced where many people at his age are. We have not seen him yet in the outfield. We've seen him at second and at first base, and the outfield may come at some point look at the Bison's outfield right now, and where would you put him? Jonathan Davis is in left tonight, Anthony Alford's in center, and Roman Fields is in right. So the Bison's have two guys that have had big league experience and probably could be back in the big leagues again this year. And for Roman Fields, uh, he an exceptional speedster, uh, a great speed for, for the Bison. So there really isn't a spot to place uh, Kevin in the outfield except for maybe a day here or there. And for his development and growth as an outfielder, I don't know we're to the point where you'd want him just there maybe once a week or once every every once in a while. Pat Molicaro, currently the Buffalo Bisons are on the road playing at Lehigh Valley over this weekend. Please wish my best to Mike and uh, to Pat. And then you come back home for another doubleheader against your Pawtucket Red Sox, a second time you're taking on the Paw Sox and a twin bill, and back home to Buffalo. Pat, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Jesse. Talk to you next week. All right, beautiful. There's your AAA voice for the Toronto Blue Jays affiliate. Love checking in with Pat, especially now that I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. You can find Pat, by the way, on Twitter at PatWGR. Well, I guess it's time for me to tell some Vladimir Guerrero Jr. stories. And let's begin with some highlights, because I've loaded up some highlights for you, especially from very early on to help illustrate what it was like enjoying the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. experience. Like, for example... A normal pop-up. Payoff pitch. Swing a high pop-up in a shallow left. Bichette, the shortstop, goes out. But it's, uh, yes, it is Bo Bichette with the catch. Did you get geeked by yeah, Vladimir yep. Guerrero? <laughs> That's him. Vladimir <laughs> Guerrero went out about 10 feet away, got underneath a something invisible, and made an invisible <laughs> catch at the same time that Bo Bichette was putting away the real catch. And it's a 1-2-3, bottom of the 7th. Let's go to the 8th. It's the old NFL fake fair catch ploy that fools the Seattle Seahawks every year. So that's what it's like to watch Vladdy play. He has fun. 
a lot of fun on the field, but he's also all business at home plate. Early on in 2017, it was April the 12th, he's taking on the Bowling Green Hot Rods in a place that's very difficult to hit home runs. Bowling Green is affiliated with the Tampa Bay Rays. They've been going nose-to-nose with the Lugnuts every single year in terms of Blue Jays and the Rays have stocked these teams with some of the best talent that we are seeing in the Eastern Division. Last year, you could make the case they were the two most talented teams in the entire league. In 2017, there was a 6'7 right-hander named J.B. Busfield, got ahead of Vladdy, tossed him a great slider low and away. Vladdy swung and missed. Well, he gets ahead. He's thinking, I've got him now. And he happened to go to that same pitch again. Christian Williams is waiting on deck. The 6'7 Busfield against the 6'1, 200-pound Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Busfield winds, offers, swinging a fly ball lifted to right center field. Cabrera is at the wall, looking up. It is off the scoreboard. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. showed off the power, muscles it out right near his headshot, and Lansing trails 2-1. to one. His second home run of the season. Both of them opposite field shots. So that's what it was like watching Vladimir Guerrero Jr. swing the bat. Strike one and strike two, he would take some wild swings and misses. And then he would figure it out. I described him once, maybe more than once, as the terminator in terms of he would adjust to you. You'd figure out something that could get him. You couldn't get him again the same exact way. He was a devastating hitter up there. And that's what we saw even at the age of 18. That's how good he was. It was a ton of fun watching him play. I also sat in on his English classes, listening to him work on expanding his vocabulary because his understanding of English was always good, but his comfort in using the language was not. In the clubhouse, his best friend on the team was Bradley Jones, who since retired from the Blue Jays organization. Bradley did not speak too much Spanish. Vladdy did not out loud speak too much English. And the two of them had no troubles whatsoever communicating. Uh, and then Vladdy, Bobichette, and Fernando Tatis Jr. of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps had such immediate respect for one another because all three of them realized they were the best. They had never played with or against somebody as good as them. And that, uh, that simply bred respect. It was this understanding that when we were taking on Fort Wayne, that Tatis was going to be a tough customer. And before the game, after the game, they'd check in with each other. And then the All-Star game that year in Great Lakes, they loved being on the same team with one another. We didn't know when Vladdy Jr. was going to get promoted. We expected maybe sometime in May, but May came and went. Maybe sometime in June, especially around the All-Star game. It was that, that All-Star game, uh, June 2017, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., barehead. You can find the video, the photographs. He went to the finals of the Midwest League Home Run Derby before he was, getting, he, uh, was knocked out. Um, and then after June, toward the very end of the month, that's when we learned that he was going to go up and play in the MLB Futures game where he was undaunted playing against pitchers much older than him, double-A, triple-A pitchers, nasty stuff and command of it. And, of course, he collected a couple of base hits because Guerrero always rose to the level of the competition. The other special highlight from that summer was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. could not wait for his father to come to town and see him. And we had heard that Vladimir Sr. would go to see him when he was playing for the Bluefield Blue Jays. But throughout the course, week after week, no sign of Vladimir Sr. until Father's Day Sunday, right before the Midwest League All-Star Game, and there Vladimir Sr. made a surprise visit, paraded out there for the ceremonial first pitch, 
which was delivered to him by Vladimir Jr. And that was perhaps the happiest that I saw Vladdy the entire year for a non-baseball thing. Tough to say happiest just in general, because the band plays with happiness. Bo Bichette homered. Vladdy Jr. was up there leaping in the air to deliver a flying high five when Bichette came back around the home plate and vice versa. So it was a true joy to watch him play with that joy. And then up to Dunedin, to the Dominican Summer League, and onward watching him as he has gotten better every step along the way. Guerrero was better in Lansing than he was in Bluefield. He was better in Dunedin than he was in Lansing. He was better in New Hampshire than he was in Dunedin. And when he arrived in Buffalo, that's when he homered in three straight games, and we saw much more of the power show up. So what a joy it has been, and now he has arrived. And we'll see how things go from here. But I agree with Tyler and the joy of watching him make that first defensive play with people thinking that he's just a hitter. For everyone who does not know yet how good his batting eye is, because Guerrero would figuratively fit at a pitch if it was nowhere close to the zone. He would recognize immediately, and there was no chance that he was going to offer at it. So we aren't going to forget watching Guerrero Jr. play baseball in the minor leagues, and now everybody gets to share in with us as we watch him play it in the, minor, or in the major leagues. Now what's going on with the Lansing Lugnuts? Well, around the nest, Bluebird Banter, the post by Hayden Godfrey, I saw these comments, the questions asking about Reggie Pruitt, and I asked Reggie myself, Reggie Pruitt hitting 354 with an 876 OPS in Lansing. He is leading the Midwest League in base hits. Reggie Pruitt has reached base in all of his starts this year, all 18 of them. He's played in all 20 games. The other two, Reggie was used as a pinch runner. He's made a number of mechanical adjustments. He has lowered his hands. Last year, he could not drive the ball to the opposite field. This year, he is driving it. So driving it to left, driving it to right center, and driving it right down the line. And a big thing for him is he's simply letting the contact point dictate. He's not trying to predetermine where he wants to hit it. I'm going to pull it. I'm going to go to the opposite field. He's making it very simple, which is what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did as well. The strikeouts were high early on for Reggie. But that strikeout rate is falling as this year goes along. He's drawing more walks, too. And I could absolutely see Pruitt receiving a promotion up to A Advanced Dunedin once the calendar turns to May, potentially to June. In the outfield, he's been better as well, very much in control. And on the bases, perhaps you know, he is considered, if not the, one of the fastest players in the Blue Jays organization. So Reggie Pruitt's breakout has been a joy to watch. Asked his hitting coach, Logan Bone, hey, give me a player over the course of this year who's really going to break out and become one of the game-changing players in the Midwest League. And his answer was Reggie Pruitt. So this looks for the moment pretty legit. We're going to keep our eyes on Reggie. But it's been great fun to watch. Pruitt batting at the very top part of the order, ahead of Alejandro Kirk, ahead of Jordan Groshans. We're seeing other Lansing Lugnuts performing well, too. Dom Abadez's bat is getting hot at the very bottom part of the order, and watch out for DJ Neal, who entered yesterday batting 286. Then he had two more base hits yesterday. Neal flying very much under the radar. There's power there. He had two home runs against the left-handed pitching prospect for the Cubs, Braylon Marquez, who's gunning it in there from the left side, 95 to 97 with a killer slider. Neal took him deep twice. He steals bases. He has power. He is raw. The word comes up, and yet he's getting it done. So let's say Reggie Pruitt moves upward. 
I think a lot more eyes are going to go to DJ Neal to see can he continue this as the year goes along. Now, uh, let's finish up this week's show with a conversation. And I loaded up a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. interview from back in 2017, but then I decided, you know what, let's end this Vladimir Guerrero Jr. show with someone else's interview. In fact, let's go different. So instead of a player who signed for multi-million dollars, a top prospect the entire way through, how about a player who signed as a non-drafted free agent back in 2018 out of the University of Kansas? His name is Sean Rakowski. He's a 6'7 right-hander. Get to know a little bit more about Rakowski. This is Jesse goldberg Strasswood, joined by Lansing Lugnuts pitcher Sean Rakowski. Sean, when was the first time you can actually remember pitching? Uh, the first time I remember pitching, I was playing in a league called the Matt Williams League, and this is before my Little League days. Um, the reason I can specifically remember pitching in this league is because I, I went out to pitch after I had gotten hit in the head with a, a ball in warm-ups from one of my teammates who, who they were warming up next to me. And uh, it knocked me down, and uh, I didn't lose consciousness or anything, but I, I remember going out and pitching, and then the, the very next day feeling all the effects of the concussion. Uh-huh. And so, so that kind of memory reminds me of, I, that was around the first time I was pitching. That's wild. Yeah. Matt Williams was named for the former Diamondbacks third right. baseman. Yeah. Would he ever come out? Oh, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I remember seeing him at all. Okay, well, you first got out there to the mound. Did you ask to pitch, or did a coach ask you to pitch? Um, I was, I think I was already, like, scheduled to pitch. Okay. So, um, I just went about the game as I would, and I didn't really feel any different. When do you first remember being good? Like, saying to yourself, I'm a really good pitcher. Um, I think it, it might have been around 11 or 12, um, which was kind of the, the end of Little League for me. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I was always a lanky kid, and I had a good fastball, you know, and, and so that's kind of around the time that I, I started to learn how to use it. So. I know you were 6'7". Was there a time in your life when you just hit that big growth spurt? I did have a growth spurt, but before the growth spurt, I was still kind of taller than everybody, you know what I mean? So I, I hit my growth spurt actually kind of late, like uh, freshman year of high school. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of my friends hit their growth spurts like 7th, 8th grade. Um, I was a late bloomer, but I was still around 5'10 before I hit my growth spurt. Did it take you a while to get used to being super tall? Um, yeah, it kind of did. Um, it, it took me a while to, to understand when I stopped growing, actually, because I was still growing a little bit through high school. And so... There was a point where I realized I stopped growing when I, I was actually, I kept buying shoes that were bigger and bigger because I just assumed I'd fill them out. And, and I realized that at one point, I'm buying shoes that are way too big for me. You know what I mean? Like, I think I hit my, hit my peak. So. That's amazing. Yeah. All right, so now you're pitching. You get into high school. I know about your high school baseball team because we had Mitch Nay come through here. We had Pat Murphy come through here. And he told me the story of, he's like, here's what Cody Bellinger's like. So... How much fun was it to play on that team? It was awesome. We were such a close group of guys, you know, growing up and um, getting to play with each other in high school was super special. And then to see where we all are now, um, and it's more than just, you know, us couple guys. It's um, I'm really close with uh, the Irwin family. Tyler Irwin was another another close uh, teammate of mine. He's with the Orioles. Um, and it's just been such an awesome experience and I feel so lucky to, to know those guys and, and you know continue to grow with them. How did you ever lose a game? 
Um, well, interesting enough, uh, Patrick Murphy and I were both out our senior years. Uh, we didn't throw a single pitch, either of us. Um, he had his Tommy John, and I had uh, bicep tendonitis that just kind of lingered. Um, we were we were a super solid team, and, and, and we brought a lot of energy to the field every game, so it was super fun. Well, just like the rest of those guys, you went on to play baseball. You went collegiately. Uh, what was your path that led you to Kansas? Um, really the culture, actually. I, I took an official visit there, and I just I couldn't say no after that. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, the coaches were awesome. Um, the town is awesome. The people you know, in Lawrence, Kansas are awesome. I, there was just really nothing bad about that place. I was just so excited to, to spend the next four years, three, four years of my life there. Did you ever attend a basketball game and sing Rock Shaw? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I attended as many as I could. That, that's something you, you have to do, you know. Speaking with the Lansing Lugnut Sean Rakowski, while at Kansas, here's another connection. The former Lugnut, who you played high school ball with, uh, the current Lugnut, Jordan Groshans, his older brother is a Kansas Jayhawk. How well did you get to know Jax? I, I got to know Jax real well. He actually, his freshman year, was our, our starting catcher. Yeah. So he caught me all the time. So your first time meeting Jordan, did you have anything to say to him? Uh, <laughs> no. It was kind of weird because I, I didn't really know Jordan, but yeah. I knew Jax, and he knew I knew Jax. Yeah. So we had kind of a, a, a something to talk about, you know? Exactly. And uh, I, saw a lot of, I see a lot of similar traits in, in, in Jordan than I do with with Jax, you know, they have very similar personalities. Like what? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's not something you can put your finger on. You can just, it's, it's something where it's like, you see two guys and you're like, they must be brothers. You know what I mean? They're just, I mean, the way they handle themselves on the baseball field, you know, they play their hearts out. You know, they play with a lot of energy. They, they love the game. That's all something, all traits that they share, so. Back to you with the Kansas Jayhawks. How did you grow as a baseball player? Oh man, I went through a lot, and I think I, I kind of had a lot of injuries at Kansas. I broke my thumb, you know, I tore my my labrum in my hip, um, and I had I was taking really tough classes, and so there was a lot of things that were thrown at me that I kind of had to handle as I was going through you know college, and I think just being able to you know recollect when you know some whenever. You know, things got tough and go about my business as I normally would and do it, you know, calmly and try to eliminate all the stress I could from everything. That that was something I, like, really took away from college was just being able to handle things that may overwhelm you, you know, and just kind of prioritize things and go about your day and, and understand what you need to get done and um, what you want to accomplish. Classes in what area? Uh, mechanical engineering. What made you choose mechanical engineering? <coughs> um, well, I was always good at math. Yeah. Um, I took some pretty tough math classes in high school, and my 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 dad always worked in you know engineering-based jobs, and so I, I think I was just always naturally interested in just kind of the math and sciences, and so I I took one introduction to engineering class, and I knew what I kind of wanted to do from there. Have you done any work in the off seasons in this area? Um, a little here and there, yeah. I do. I still do some graphic design on my my computer. Um, I'll think of like cool little thing, like inventions. I'd be like, hey, that would be awesome if if this like existed. And I'll kind of draw it up on the computer, but that's about as far as it gets. As as far as prototyping, I, 
that's a different story because you know you, you need to start collecting money for that kind of stuff and allocating a lot of time to like get into that. Yeah. Um, but I do try my best to just kind of stay sharp with it because there are a lot of skills that you can kind of lose if you don't kind of keep up with them, you know. What did it take for you to get signed to a contract by the Toronto Blue Jays? It took a lot of perseverance, I would say, um, because I didn't sign immediately. Um, I showed up to spring training in, in 2017 after the draft, and they ultimately decided to send me off to get my surgery um, for my torn labrum in my hip. And when they sent me off, I was not signed. So I was just under the understanding that I would go get my surgeries, I'd rehab, and next year, when it comes around, I would show up and they would sign me, and that's kind of what happened. You've been through a lot. What have you continued to learn about yourself? I mean, so much. Oh, that's such a that's such a, a tough question because I, I think it can get so intricate. Yeah. Um, but I'm thinking about how I kind of go about my day, and there's a lot of effort that I, I feel like I need to put into preparing myself, preparing my mind, and preparing my body before a game so that I'm playing at my best. And it's so easy to just kind of take a day off and be like, you know what, we're just going to go out there, we're going to show up, we're going to throw a couple baseballs, and that's it. But I've learned that if I if I really want it bad and I want to, you know, I want to keep climbing, I got to do the stuff that you don't really want to do every day. And I know I have it in me, and I I just that's why I tell myself every day I'm like, you can do this. I know you can do this. You're somebody that can do this. So. I just, I show up early to the field, I take the early buses, I do everything I can to get ready. Sean, thank you very much. Thank you. And that'll do it for Around the Nest this week. Big thanks to everybody for helping out. Plus, Robert Sanchez wrote an article about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for ESPN the magazine. I've been live tweeting, trying to get out the word on Twitter. Hey, here's who's up next on Around the Nest. And he just retweeted the quote tweet. And I quote unquote Robert, Lad Jr. once went to a mall with his minor league teammates and bought baby clothes for all of the ones who had young children. And with that, we can uh, close the book today on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and the edition of Around the Nest. And next up, Vladdy Jr., major leaguer. But we'll keep on letting you know what's going on throughout the minor leagues. There are a lot of players down here, 25-man active rosters, Buffalo, New Hampshire, Dunedin, and Lansing. Glad to have you aboard. Big thanks to Pat Malacaro in Buffalo, Tyler Murray in New Hampshire, Jim Tarabokie in Dunedin, and I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler with the Lansing Lugnuts. So you can follow us all those different places, but especially at Around Nest. It's Hayden Godfrey who does the posts on Bluebird Banter, and Hayden's helping out in a lot of different ways, thanks to the minor leaguer and the Bluebird Banter in general. Until next week, enjoy the baseball, and enjoy Vladimir Guerrero Jr.